0: A reader writes, my husband and I want to straighten out our marriage. How may we begin? That's certainly a wonderful thing and something that many of you who are listening today ought to do. It's been too long, those bitternesses, those resentments, that lack of communication. You know it has you'd like to see it changed perhaps and maybe you've made some attempts over the years but perhaps you've given up and settled for a bad thing so long as there weren't too many fights well you know that's not what the Bible says it doesn't talk about the option of settling for a bad thing ever it always talks about growth it talks about change it talks about better relationships indeed it says in First in uh, Romans 12.18 Be at peace with all men, so far as it depends upon you. So it's your obligation not to let things sit, not to let things go on, to go from bad to worse or to at least stay at bad or at worse. That is never the option for the Christian. The option for the Christian is to get matters settled and to go from bad to better. So the first thing you want to do if you're not like this woman who writes that she and her husband want to straighten out their marriage and wants where to begin the first thing you need to do is to make sure that you really want that marriage straightened out and that you're willing to do the hard things and to go through the difficult times that that's going to require you see it's not going to be easy and the other party may not like it and you may even have to get involved in church discipline at some point something we were talking about a few broadcasts before but you've got to work toward getting that marriage straightened away well, let's assume you do. Let's assume that you have a real good heart-to-heart talk after a season of prayer and carefully introducing the question at the right time and a good time. You have a heart-to-heart talk with your husband or with your wife. And the two of you say, yes, we really do want to make things go. We've, we've had enough of this bickering and fighting and differences and failure to communicate, misunderstandings and hard words and all those things. We've had enough of that. We want our marriage to be the way a Christian marriage should be. We know it won't be perfect in this life, but we want it to be growingly meeting the problems that occur and to meet those according to God's will, God's way from God's word, together. All right, if that's what you want, you can have that. Let me give you a suggestion for how to go about doing this, something that we use with the people who come to counseling at our counseling center. You know, in Ephesians 4, we have some great words on the question of Christian communication, verses 25 through 32. And the first thing I would suggest that the two of you do is to sit down in a modern, with a modern translation like the New American Standard Bible and to read those verses, 25 through 32, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 25 through 32. Read those verses four or five times, each one of you, by yourselves then read them together and talk about them a bit so that you understand what the words mean. Then I would suggest that you begin a series of conferences that you hold, at least two each week, perhaps more. Don't let these conferences run longer, let's say, than an hour, but not shorter than a half hour. The husband should lead the conference, should take the lead, and should determine when to begin and when to close. He should see to it that this passage in Ephesians 4, verses 25 through 32, is read at the beginning of each conference to set the tone for that conference so that everybody understands that this is going to be Christian communication of the sort that's described in those wonderful verses. There should be prayer, either by the husband or by the wife, it doesn't matter who, but a brief prayer asking God to bless this conference time together. Now at the conference table, and I suggest you use a particular spot where you meet every time, you're there to confer, you're not there to argue. The minute anybody argues, the other party ought to just simply stand quietly, not saying anything because if you say something at this point, you're going to start a verbal battle probably. But if the other person argues or clams up or does anything else other than confer, the other party should stand quietly and by that symbolize Uh, to the other, uh, to everyone involved. Uh, In my opinion, we're not conferring at this point. Then the one who's seated ought to say, okay, okay, sit down, let's get back to it again. And if you use this stupid, foolish little device of just standing quietly saying nothing, it usually breaks the air anyway and everybody laughs and then you get going again. Now, what are you going to do on your first conference? This is what I suggest. I suggest that Uh, the wife become the secretary and take four or five sheets of eight and a half by eleven paper and draw a line right down the middle. At the top of each column let her write his and her so we're going to have his and her lists. Now under his name let him during the first conference tell all the ways in which he knows that he's failing God and failing her and failing the children. All the ways that he's failing as a man before God As a husband before her as a father before his children let him tell her openly verbally let her write them down then let her at the same time on the second column the her column list all the ways in which she's failing God as a woman failing her husband and failing her children this ought to be done without thinking at all about the other person and then The next conference, continue to add to this list until you've exhausted all the things that you can think about concerning yourself. Then draw a line across the page. And what your husband has forgotten to put in, you fill in his column. What she has forgotten to put in, you, husbands, fill in in her column. But you begin with yourself. You take the log out of your own eye before you start pecking around for the splinter in the other fellow's eye. Now, remember, don't argue about these things that are on the list. Don't even talk about them. Just get them down and then go home, uh, go back with them privately and think about them and pray about them. Then at later conferences, you can begin to take up the items on the list, and they ought to be concrete items, not generalizations. You can't change in the general. You have to change in the concrete and specific. What do I mean? Well, I mean this. They shouldn't be generalizations like uh, your, uh, my husband's inconsiderate. List five ways in which he's inconsiderate. You can't do anything about inconsiderateness. That's an abstraction. But you can do something about the fact that he throws socks on the floor. He can put them in the hamper. That's concrete. Sometimes those socks are. At any rate, uh, let's get a concrete list on both columns and start with the very simplest, easiest matters to solve. And together, at later conferences, take these items up one by one and decide what to do about each. Now, if the relationship is so bitter, so miserable, and the things get worse rather than better, maybe what you really need is for somebody to help you to do this. And so I would suggest that you call on your pastor or some other Christian person in whom you have real confidence and ask him to help you through this conference table and through this reconciliation process in which you begin to look at each question and begin to solve each one God's way. May the Lord bless you as you and your husband seek to straighten out your marriage. You only asked how you might begin, but I think if you do this, it'll be a very good beginning. And maybe many others, because you wrote and asked, will find that same beginning and perhaps a glorious ending through Jesus Christ. Lord, we're thankful that Jesus Christ died for our sins on the cross. Not that we might have a miserable life here, but that we might have life abundantly. Help us not only to look forward to the future, but to the present. In his name, amen.